Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I am your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K. Wimmer. I am Mariah Rose. How are you? I'm kind of hot right now. It's yeah, starting you to are. warm up a little. Meow. <laughs> uh, it's starting to warm up a little, so... You know, you know how it is. When we start to record, too, we have to turn off like every electronic in the house because mm-hmm. these microphones will pick up everything, which means air conditioner, fans, everything gets shut down. Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of sit in a sauna through the episode. And then the second we we're bake. done, we immediately turn everything back on. Mm-hmm. It's a little hot right now. It is. We live in the desert. And right now it is hot. Yeah. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm extra hot because I have a dog on either side of me. They're pressed up against me like they're trying to absorb my heat, but in fact, they're just shooting theirs into my body. Yeah, it looks really uncomfortable. However, it looks like you have a cool dog throne with one on either side of you. There's always dogs around me. It's nice. It's like we could cast them into uh, bronze and then create armatures that you could just rest on. Uh-huh. That'd be I pretty like cool. That. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Birthday present. <laughs> sure, why not? All right. Well, um, speaking of armatures and bronze dogs, did you find anything at the oh. thrift store? Well, not for myself, but I did find a tiny, well, it was actually like 30 busts, uh, little tiny busts of composers of the past. Oh, yeah. And uh, I sent it to you. I would have bought them all for no reason other than to just like toss one in an occasional package, but they were you know, a couple bucks. And I was like, well, maybe I don't need to spend $60 on busts. <laughs> so I bought uh, the Franz Liszt bust for you. Yeah, I was very happy about that. He's my favorite um, classical, well, romantic composer. But I will put him in here in the studio to inspire me as I'm <laughs> writing. I'll look to him for inspiration. Okay. Actually, I wanted to paint him like Gene Simmons, but then I realized I should probably not do that. I have these... Um, these figurines that I got from my father that are these bronze miniature busts of famous figures throughout history. Mm-hmm. One is um, like Albert Einstein. One's you know George Bush Sr. Do you have Amelia Earhart? Yeah, Amelia Earhart. Robert E. Lee is another Why one. Why did your dad give you those? He didn't. I took them one day. <laughs> he had a stack of them. I don't know. His so buddy, many questions. His buddy was running some scam and he had a stack of these like bronze things. Well, your dad was one of those guys who'd like see a sword on QVC and buy it oh, and yeah. think it was worth a million dollars. For sure. <laughs> but I, I bought or I, I stole four of those from him and then I brought them back home and I painted them each one like a member of Kiss and they're mm-hmm. sitting on top of the pinball machine right now. So Amelia Earhart is Ace Freely and Albert Einstein is Gene Simmons. George Bush is Peter Chris, and then Paul Stanley is uh, General Lee over there. It's, they're pretty funny. Hmm. Maybe I'll post them on our Instagram. Okay. That would be enjoyable. I think you should, yeah. <laughs> Why not? I think you should. And actually, as you were talking, I just got a pang in my uh, my weather toe, the toe that I broke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and it hurts sometimes. I think it's when the barometric pressure drops. I, I feel like we must be getting a storm. I feel like an old sailor, but... Interesting. I got a weather toe pang. I have a a weather uh, knuckle that does that. After I broke my knuckle, I can always sense when the storm's coming. Yeah, I've broken other bones and they don't do that, but it's my weather toe. I should bequeath it in my will. Oh, like you could put it on a necklace and then 
great-grandchildren could wear their great-grandmother's weather toe. Yeah, it'd be all shriveled in black. That'd be cool. Yeah, and then when they're old around their great-grandchildren, they'd be standing like by the lighthouse, you know, on the <laughs> beach, and they'd be like, I fear there's a storm coming. And they'd be like, great-grandmother, how do you know? <laughs> I have my great-grandmother's weather toe around my neck. <laughs> kept us safe all these years yep and it'll wiggle (laughs) okay do you remember that guy um when we lived in wyoming who that biker the like nomvet biker who cruised around on his harley and he had a human finger like mummified around his neck i don't know what the story is with that it was probably like his buddies from battle or something or fake maybe it's an art class project maybe he took it in art therapy and he made it I don't know, but he was straight out of a 70s, like, exploitation he biker a little, movie. He was a little scary. He was awesome, and he literally had a finger around his neck. Yep. We'd spot him every now and then. Oh, that was an interesting guy. <laughs> interesting dude. Okay. Okay, cool. So you found a Franz Liszt plastic bust that you gave me. Yep. What did you find? I had a big find this week, an awesome one. I spent 99 cents, but it was a What? A 99 one. whole cents? I found in mint condition the original vinyl release of the soundtrack to Legend by Tangerine Dream, which is not only an incredible score, but a very hard to find record and pretty damn expensive. So I thought for sure when I found it, I thought, well, the artwork alone is cool enough to just grab. Mm-hmm. thought it would be all scratched up like they always are in thrift stores, but yeah. it's like it's never been played. It's in perfect condition. So wow, big fine, big, big time, big fine. Big time boy, okay. <laughs> All I wish is for you to sit and talk with me. Okay. Oh. This week, Woo. listeners, we are bringing you guys a sincere deep cut. We say that sometimes, but this this is definitely a deep cut. We are going back to Australia because oh. we haven't been there since uh, the Howling 3. That was like... Not that long ago. Yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. We probably would have done an episode, well, it was probably longer than that now that I'm thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, who knows? Can't keep track of time. We would have done another Australian movie sooner, but my fly caught to light. Oh, here we are. So Back at it. We're doing this one, however, I would describe as an Ausploitation film. Really? Yeah, this is definitely more like that. I feel like their Australianness isn't exploited. Well, it is through their accents. But I feel like it's an Australian movie for Australian eyes only. And we, oh, right. we pulled back the Australia curtain and peered in, and then we quickly closed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this week we are talking about a deep cut called Rock and Roll Cowboys from 1987. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting one. It's directed by a guy named Rob Stewart, who went on to do a ton of TV, like, uh, you know, just work in TV episodes as a director. He's got a lot of credits. Written by a guy named David Young, who did not go on to really do anything. And the interesting part of this is, and I don't know if you picked up on this, but it was a TV movie. It's not just a normal feature. Oh, that makes sense, because I was wondering why there's, like, no nudity or graphic violence. Not necessarily, because in Australia, they're kind of known for their TV shows to have, like, a full frontal nudity and graphic violence. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind so of they've an taken thing. Europe and American cultures and just, <laughs> just popped it all them. on TV? Yeah. Okay. No, so this was a TV movie that aired in 87 as part of a series and it uh, called Tomorrow's News. I didn't get to look into it, but I'm hoping it was like a Black Mirror kind of thing. And that's, Ooh, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Seems like it, yeah. 
Because this is not metal horror. Nope. But it's definitely got heavy metal in it. Yes. But it's not a horror movie. Nope. It's more sci-fi. But it's also not sci-fi. It's totally sci-fi. Well, there's like a small element of sci-fi. The entire plot centers around a sci-fi concept. This all takes place with futuristic technology that doesn't exist. Okay. And it's not really explained in the film, but in the, the synopsis of it and in the trailer of it, it's implied that our lead guy is actually a time traveler and has gone back in time. So it's weird. How is that implied? In the trailer and in the, the write-up. Okay. And it kind of makes sense now when you think about it, because at the end, there's these scenes where he's talking about how I saw you as a child on this and stuff like that. And he's like, I was never on TV. And it's because in, I think in the original script or the cut, he was time traveling and he like time okay. travels back to try and uh, enact his plan. All right. Well, we'll get to that, I guess. Yeah. So I don't buy that. Okay, well, you don't have to. It's, it doesn't matter. They don't, they don't need our seal of approval. It's already they happened. Do. But why I'm saying that is because this is hard to kind of pin down. I would say, though, it is, it's, I guess, ultimately, it's like a sci-fi cult um, rock movie because it's all centers around a rock band. I would say, yeah, I think that the like Twilight Zone, Black Mirror vein is kind of where you'd put it, where it's just a little odd. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And that's why I liked it. But that's the, the backstory. As far as tracking this down, ugh, good luck. Um, this one... This is very tough to find. There was a VHS release. Uh, it's extremely rare and very hard to find. Um, so if you can find one, good for you. Uh, don't pay a fortune for it. I know I didn't, wink, wink. But I don't know how many are out there. It was released uh, in Australia, too, on VHS. But I don't think it ever got a release on DVD. It's not streaming. Probably Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, there's a film that we'll discuss later in the year that I never in a million years thought would be on Blu-ray and it got a Blu-ray release because of all these hipsters running the companies now. Oh, yeah, those hipsters. But the only other place I think you can find it is YouTube. I do think that there is a rip of it from the VHS copy. YouTube? YouTube. Oh. So if you do want to see it, it's available for free there and I, I would recommend you see it. It's pretty bizarre. But otherwise, yeah, good luck. If you can track one down on VHS... You definitely should. Yes. And this, I would say, has a little bit of a Dr. Caligari flair. Just yeah. little teeny moments here and there where it doesn't make sense. Right. And uh, and the VHS cover has nothing to do with the movie. The people What's that are the on cover? the cover, it's just some random like chicks and dudes. And it's Why not, would they do that? I don't that know. happens frequently. And there's so much potential for cool covers yeah. with this movie. Also, this film, if you're going to give it a try... Uh, the one thing I would say is you need to be patient because the pacing of this is rough. It It's slow at first. And then once it like gets going for basically like the first two thirds, it's kind of slow build. But then that last third, it's you're all in. <laughs> so I would stick it out because it's definitely a fun and bizarre film. Let's saddle up and get into this movie. What do you think? Giddy up. <laughs> all right. Well, it starts with some pretty intense music. It's like Omen style. Well, there's a band <laughs> setting up. It's like the roadies. And it's a really long intro of roadies setting up, checking all the instruments. Um, and then the band plays a song about rock and roll glory. Yeah, let's go ahead and just, because it's a rock movie, we gotta gotta play that music. Dig in. So here's what you get. I can't wait. I can't wait to make 
so like when we did um, Hard Rock Zombies, I feel like the first instance of music sets the tone for mm-hmm. what you're going to think of the movie. Thoughts? Um, I think that the person who did the singing for um, the lead singer was uh, really following in the footsteps of Tina Turner. Yeah, um, she really liked Tina Turner. I didn't think so much in the first song, but in the following songs. Yeah, by the end, you'll be like, no, that is Tina Turner yeah. singing, but it's not. Um, however, it's pretty good. It's more just uh, rock and roll, like it hard sounds rock. Like it's like polished yeah, rock. It's not metal, but it's not bad at all. I mean, it's definitely a, a good... Yeah. Good soundtrack, but yeah, it's not metal like I was hoping because no. we went in blind with this one. We did totally. not know we what we were e- getting into. We didn't even know what genre, and I think yeah. maybe we're still a t- teeny bit yeah, confused. Yeah, we're still figuring it out as we're talking out loud. But, uh, you know, from this opening track, it's pretty cool. I, okay. I'll, I'll keep going. It's not, we had actually agreed, like, we'll turn this off if it's real bad. Yeah. But we didn't. We and, watched it. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> we watched it. Here we are. So the band is playing. Their song about rock and roll glory, and there's like an ex- electrical explosion. One of the breaker boxes blows, and mm-hmm. a guy in the band, the guitarist, his name's what? Uh, Stevie? Yeah. Yeah. Stevie, he has a full tantrum, and this is where we learn he is like the songwriter for the band. He's yeah. the cool guy. The lead singer is a female, but he's the one who writes and he plays lead guitar, and he has a full temper tantrum. He's just you know yeah he's freaking out and it's funny too because this band is like a a sampling it's like a sample platter of every genre from the yes, 80s like the members of the band which you know what that reminded me of is um nada from get crazy remember how we were yeah. like oh there's like somebody from every band yeah because this one has people who look like they're in i mean i saw wham the drummer looks like he's in wham mm-hmm. uh the keyboardist looks like he's in the police he looks just like sting yeah um there's a dude who like looks just like he's in acdc with bon scott's like hat yeah like the golf hat thing and then the lead singer looks like she's in you know the bangles or something yep. and then the guitarist with the tantrum is like in a normal metal band so we're like in excess yeah or like a hard rock band or some sort he's got his leather jacket but i was like wow they really just took every stereotype I like they could, it. they're just missing like the hip-hop guy on the turntables in the background maybe they told the actors come dressed as your favorite band mm. and they were like yay and they all just dressed up yeah the the one thing i'll say about the lead singer tina is her name it's two e's T-E-E-N-A. That's right, like Tila. The thing that I will say is she does fine. She's a perfectly fine actress. uh, Mm -hmm. But man, imagine if this was Kylie Minogue. Oh, I I mean, every Australian movie, I'm just wishing and dreaming that all of the females were played by Kylie Minogue. (laughs) Like, come into my world video where there's a hundred Kylies. But seriously, imagine if Kylie was the lead in this. That would have been pretty cool. Yes. I mean, she she wasn't. She wouldn't have been in this movie. Anyway, so the lead singer or the lead guitarist uh, has a temper tantrum and a weird, it's like a spiked ball, like a spike metal ball ball it's like spying on them it has no eyeballs it's big it's like the size of a basketball if not a little larger Mm -hmm. but it's got spikes all over it not thin spikes like porcupine spikes but more like um like it's a medieval torture device yeah like the end of a morning star like you cut it off from the chain and and you made it the size of a of a basketball okay so that's spying on them This is when I was so confused. I'm like, is this an alien? Yes. Because it's making like these I thought it was an alien noises. egg. Yeah, I kind of thought it was an alien too. And there's lights flashing on it. 
Who knows? The band, upset about the electrical uh, situation, they leave. And then two groupies, I guess, two random chicks come in, and they try to hook up with the roadies. Yeah, the roadies are our main characters. These are Mickey and Eddie. Eddie. And Mickey does the cool thing in the 80s where he pulls out his rising sun bandana and puts it on. He dresses himself like the karate kid. Mickey stays behind with all of the musical gear while Eddie leaves. And then we go to this other guy. We don't know his name, but should we just say it now? Sure, yeah. His name is Damien Shard. That's and pretty he, cool. And <laughs> he's, a, he's a dweeb? Yeah. He's, he's got, like, weird black hair. But he thinks he's really cool. I mean, don't all dweebs? Sure, yeah. You, you tell me. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm pretty damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got, like, a kind of a bowl cut situation he's wearing a white button-up shirt he's got you know a suit on he's overdressed yeah and he's in his office and he's talking about synthesizers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. but he's in like an all-white office and it's kind of ominous at first like we only see his back and he's on the phone or something like that and he's like mickey will do yeah and then it goes back to mickey and he is practicing alone in the studio because it turns out that mickey is a songwriter himself. And even though he's the sound tech and the roadie, he longs to be in the spotlight and write songs too. Yes. And then he, a note blows in and that asks if he's heard the song of Jesus. Yeah. It's like a flyer. And he's like, whatever. And then Tina comes in. So she is returned. She's come to hang out with Mickey and he's like, can I play you my song? And she's, of course, she's been drinking, too. But she's like, yep, show me your song. And he starts to play, and she just instantly falls asleep. I would, too, because here's what he's singing. Where I stand, we call it love. We call it love. We call it love. Yeah, talk about a, a lullaby there. So she passes out. He's not offended. Although, honestly, if I was pouring my heart out to some chick that I had a crush on... I might be a little offended. She falls asleep after like 20 seconds of his song. That's not an exaggeration. Yeah. So she's passed out uh, as he's singing his special song. He covers her with a blanket and then just goes back to it. He continues to sing. But then as he hits a note, a a mystery synth comes in. Yeah. Where is the synth coming from? And it, it propels him to action. It's kind of an electric grandmother thing where it's got the like high pitch electronic like singing almost. Mm -hmm. And it's basically mimicking his song. Yeah. And he's like, I got to get to the bottom of this mystery synth. So he hunts it down and it leads him out onto like the roof. And then there's (laughs) monkey bars from and he's way up high, apparently, although got a couple questions here. He is, like, in, when he's inside with the band, mm-hmm. he's clearly on a first floor because there's a bus parked inside. Right. Yeah. But somehow now he's, like, 40 stories up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I noticed and, that, too. And he's climbing monkey bars from one skyscraper to the next. Okay, so I have a question. Okay. When he first sees it, it's just up in the rafters of the practice space. Yes. And he goes up and he touches it and then he gets this headache. Yes. And then all of a sudden he's on the rooftop. Did it transport him? That's what I think happened. Oh, okay. Because then it also transports itself even higher up. And then we see some figure in a window. Like beating at the window, but it's, it's only weird. a... It's only their shadow. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know what I should do? 
risk my life to climb on this ledge up like to the window. Like a drain pipe, too. <laughs> and then the window opens, and it's this dude, Damien, who's mm-hmm. like, come in, come in. And he goes in there, and the spike ball follows him. And this is where we uh, meet Damien, like, officially, who is a total weirdo. Yeah, he shows Mickey his psychotronic alpha synth, and then he gives Mickey some milk. Right, and a little um, piece of plastic that's in the shape of a star that's like a a pill. Yep. And he's like, you should have this. But it's big. You couldn't just swallow it with that milk. (laughs) No, no. Uh, Anyway, he takes it. And then the mental spike thing, he also puts on headphones and it records music. He tells Mickey that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And with the headphones, Mickey uses his thoughts purely to create music. Yeah. So basically it can transform your thoughts into a symphony. And this is a... He's going to allow him to use this technology. Yes, he's chosen Mickey. And Mickey's like, I can see things. And the things he sees are apparently just himself under pink water. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Okay. Okay, well, next we meet a guy in bed. And this is a weird scene. So we cut, like, hard cut to... Totally new character. Totally new character. We see feet in bed. Right. And then it's, like, revealed that there's two sexy babes in their lingerie. And they're like, and then this guy reaches over and grabs his cowboy boots then he grabs a toupee then he grabs his false teeth Mm -hmm. then he pours vodka over his cornflakes and then sets them on fire and then we meet harvey glutzman who i think is the manager he's definitely like their agent or something like that also while the cornflakes are burning in his breakfast bowl we also see a swastika yeah there's like a flag in the background like a nazi flag this is he just strikes me as being like this larger than life like coked out freak who even knows and then he hops in a car mm-hmm. did you see his license plate oh i did what did it say hunk oh yeah hunk <laughs> and then he hops in his car and, and he drives off and so that's our introduction to the manager harvey glutzman who is quite the character in this movie Yes. So he goes to, I guess, work, which is just a, like a maybe a hangar or a garage. I'm not really sure. Uh, there's a bunch of pinball machines. And we also meet um, this mega babe there who's... Like, Her name's Carla, I think. Yeah. She's like the sexy, cool babe. And she's playing pinball. She's playing a pretty cool pinball machine that must be real. I want it. It's like a post-apocalyptic themed pinball mm-hmm. machine called Centaur or something like that. I was like, damn, that's cool looking. Maybe it's real. Because on the front, the the graphic on the front of the pinball machine was like Road Warrior style. That was cool. So he comes in and he sees Carla playing pinball. And Carla wears like exclusively leather dresses. Like mini skirts, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's got her whole look down. And she's got like her black bob and bangs and all that. Yeah, she's like the cool chick. Except for she works for Glutzman for some reason. And she tells him that there's somebody in his office. He gets pretty peeved. And then it's Mickey. Mickey's there and he comes in kind of smug and hot. And he's like, I found a new synth. This is it. And he wants to come to an arrangement because right. he realizes this uh, synthesizer is the real deal. Yeah. The only way this is going to work because uh, Harvey's like, no, you just want me to give you money so you can record your own dumb songs. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 this synth thing is it's going to change it. And so Harvey's like, well, I'm going to try it out then. Mm-hmm. And he gets to take it for a sample run mm-hmm. where we get to see what his fantasy would be. Yep. And uh, boy, it's uh, pretty, pretty interesting. It's an 
I mean, we just dive right into an S&M fantasy of him and Carla. And she's like fully fledged, uh, all leather and spikes. And we're in like a full on metal video now. Yes. There's fire. He's strapped up and uh, she's going to have him go over the flames as she's, you know, whipping him or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty cool scene. Anyway, coming out of that, Damien Shard is there and he says Mickey is the only one who can run the machine. Right. Yeah. He's put this stipulation on it. Like now you've seen its power. You have to only let Mickey run it. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can do it. Then we cut to my where I was like, okay, I'm all in now because up until this point, it's a little slow. Uh, some of the scenes are a little long, but I do like the spiky ball. I like the technology of okay. like, it's reading your mind waves and turning them into music. I, I mean, I do dig the idea of that. But this is when I'm like, wait, what am I watching? We cut to a scene of another band. They're at like a club. Oh. And this band is on stage performing and it is full on heavy metal. And I'm like, oh, this now here is metal in a movie right now. And they're dressed kind of like cavemen. They're dressed like Guar. Like that, well, yeah. I would definitely say they would open for Guar. Yeah, they're like a toned down caveman version of Guar. Yeah, like instead of the masks, but they have the huge like shoulder pads yeah. and massive spikes and stuff mm-hmm. like that and, and furs. And they are a like legit heavy metal band. Did you look them up or were you able to oh, find anything? Oh, you better believe okay. I looked them up. I was so excited. Tell me. Well, let's hear what they're playing. They're playing an instrumental when they first start because I was really annoyed because the lead singer is just like holding a mic and then never sings and i thought is this band an instrumentalist with a fake league lead singer but that later would be amazing i want to start that band yeah like that almost sings every song yeah like keeps leaning in and yeah. like taking deep breaths and then turning away that's basically what he was doing but we do get this little jam that's an instrumental is already pretty cool but we will you know amp it up here later yeah. in the movie where we they get a come couple, back couple strong jams at full metal but no this is a real band or was mm-hmm. and the band's name was escape and they were from south australia from adelaide actually and they were active from 1984 to 88 mm-hmm. never recorded an album they only had a demo and the big guy the huge guitarist do the, you know how tall he is He's got to be pretty big, and he's a, a big dude, but he was known as the Beast. That was his name. Of course. And I've, I've found, like, images of the band and stuff. We'll post them, because okay. they were too cool for school. I would have bought this album in a cool. second. Because um, they, like I said, they, they sound like just straight-up heavy metal, but they look like they definitely would open for Guar. Dude, the Beast, if you put him in a suit, he's instantly a Bond villain. Yeah, for sure. Okay. But they're, they're very fun. They've got their theatrics and their pyrotechnics and everything else. And I've got a fun fact for you. Oh! Okay, it's not much of one because this, this uh, movie was very hard to find stuff on. Yeah. But my fun fact is what? the band Escape, even though they broke up in 88, never had a record deal. Mm-hmm. There was a documentary made about them. What? Like recently. Remember when we saw Anvil, the story yes. of Anvil? It's kind of like that. Like, I was just going to ask, actually. I love that documentary, Anvil. It's kind of sad. It is kind of sad. This one is called Escape the Great Unsigned. And it's all about how they were poised to be like a major player in the metal scene. Yeah. And just uh, 
there was this car accident and every like a series of bad events that they never got the record deal. And then when they were about to break, there were these uh, problems and they just never made it. And it's the band like reflecting on now, years later. I'd watch that. That brush with fame and how they almost uh. got it. And I'll tell you, seeing them not only in this movie, because we get a lot of musical numbers from them, but seeing their images and stuff, like they were the full package. They definitely would have would have been a legit metal band in the 80s. What's the movie called? It's called Escape the Great Unsigned. Oh. And I really wanted to watch it before this, but we just didn't have enough time. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to it. The band is playing and Mickey kind of lashes out at the lead singer when she doesn't want him to join the band. The, mm-hmm. Which, fair enough, the band's got like 50 members already. Calm down, Mickey. But he gets all butthurt about it. And then he goes out into the alley because his head is hurting. Well, and before he runs into the alley, I was like, oh, there's some drama here with them arguing. Yeah. I don't need this. And they really counter the drama with another song from Escape. Here we go. <laughs> And that's what I was like, all right, yeah, cool. I'm definitely still watching this movie. And then it gets kind of weird. He goes out into an alley with his headache. And we are led to believe that the headache is from this experience with the synthesizer headphone situation. Yeah, and the drug he took. Yeah, so he's puking in an alley. And these men who are wearing yellow, like, hazmat style suits and masks... Like, but also kind of like construction worker hats. They're all yellow. Yeah. They, they come running through, a trio of them. But they don't run. They like march run. Like hop, 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 yeah, hop. Yeah, but it's kind of sped up. Yeah, and it's almost like we're in a Devo video. It's yeah. very strange and has no context to anything. Nothing is explained. Mickey wanders into a church that has like a neon cross and he lays down on a pew. And then the pastor talks to him and says that he recognizes Mickey uh, as a cowboy on a TV show. And then Mickey says he recognizes the voice. And then the pastor, or I think it was the pastor, he plays a harmonica. And then Mickey (laughs) begins to hallucinate and Eddie wakes him up. Yeah, and he took, um, I think he took it, uh, well, the guy offers him the drink with the star-shaped pill in it. Yes. And then he's underwater and the vision under of him, pink water again but he's coming out of like a dresser underwater like mm-hmm. he's opening up a dresser and and swimming out of it underwater and right away i don't know if you thought this too but i was like man this looks just like the close to me video from the cure oh yeah and then what is crazy is the very next scene he wakes up in his bedroom yes and, which is on the bus right yeah but prominently displayed on his shelf right as he wakes up is the cure record Standing on the beach, staring at the sea yeah. that has close to me on it. And I was yeah. like, that must have been intentional. So um, Eddie is like, we got to go check on Jimmy. Jimmy is one of the members of the band. Is he, he's the synth player for the band, like the keyboardist. Yeah, yeah. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> he lives in a, like a houseboat. And they go to this houseboat and find him. And he's like chucking a refrigerator out the window. But it goes flying. Anyway, he thinks he's a monkey now. Yeah, and he only acts like a monkey from here on out. No explanation. I think it is that the synthesizer drug is basically making his fantasies come true. Um, Somehow. uh, Mickey's. And so, because Mickey wants to be the keyboard player, 
this is altering. This is his way in. Yeah. Because I also think, going back to the time travel idea, I read the only thing I found. I only found one person that ever wrote about this movie. And they mentioned that the church scene, the pastor is actually Damien. And that he's telling him, I saw you on TV when you were young. And that's where there was some indication that he has, like, traveled back in time. See, the way that I read that was that uh, Mickey had been a child actor and didn't know about it. Or, like, forgot about it or was embarrassed about it. Yeah, it was very confusing. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so the keyboardist now has been altered to only act like a monkey. So they have to obviously have a band meeting about this. They go to Harvey because he's the manager or whatever, and they need a new keyboard player. Seems like this would be Mickey's in, but Harvey's assistant actually advocates and is like, Mickey, bring him in. He's got that synth player or synthesizer. And then Stevie, the guitarist, throws another temper tantrum, and Tina comes up. She's like trying to placate uh, Stevie. She's like, why don't we, you know, play back a recording or whatever? Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, Mickey's really peeved about this and he just quits. Yeah, because they're not going to let Mickey be in the band. Yeah, it's like willfully avoiding him. Yeah, and point, Mickey's which like, is well, rude. screw you guys then, because I'm a musician too, and just storms off. So there's this drama there that they won't let him in. And they can't use the cool synthesizer without him. Yep. So Mickey then... He's back at his place, gets a package. Yes. And the package is the spike ball and a bag full of the star pills Mm -hmm. that say, eat me. They're more like biscuit size. (laughs) They are kind of biscuit size. And uh, then a booklet that's called The Wonderful World of Sampling. Mm -hmm. And he takes the star without any question. He go ahead and swallows one of those. What does he have to lose, though? Honestly, he lives in a bus, so. That's true. And he just got lost his job. That seems like a good time. I mean, if you're gonna, why not? Sure. Carla, the assistant, comes in and Mickey says she knows more than she lets on. And then they kiss. So this is the very... I mean, it was kind of already a little questionable, but here for sure, which is never it's um, not explained. explained. Who is Carla? Like she's it's implied that she's the assistant of um, Harvey Harvey. But then it's like she knows what's going on with the spike ball. Yes. I don't know her story. It's never explored. She's definitely a very mysterious figure. Well, also uh, an undeveloped figure, and poor writing is at play here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So she kisses him, and then the band plays. Yeah, we get a jam. And Mickey goes into a synth trance and makes the band sound good. Yeah, he brings the synth with him to their practice. I guess. And all of a sudden, it's the best they've ever sounded in their life. Uh, And it's sounding so good that they're performing some song. I think it's called like Electric Nurse or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Tina's voice magically turns into um, Tina Turner. So full on. Hey, her name's Tina. Yeah. I never put that together until just now. (laughs) And now let's skip ahead. Uh, Harvey comes to the club or whatever. He's dressed as a Nazi pharaoh. Yeah, there's this giant Nazi flag in the background. Mm -hmm. And he is dressed like a pharaoh. He's only wearing... The, like, um, breastplate kind Is of he thing. at the club or at his house? I think he's at his house at I first. feel like it was all on the same soundstage, so it's a little unclear. Yeah, um, but he's got the head headdress thing on, a uh-huh. cape, underwear. He is quite a character. I mean, yeah, and he's, like, marching through 
with the like Nazi flag behind him, but dressed as this pharaoh, let's, and he's like ready to party like well, hard. Let's just run through all this because it's a lot of cut scenes back and forth to him. Basically, he does a record buying ritual yeah. uh, in which he like slices tomatoes like they're blood, and then a stuffed alpaca comes to life and disapproves. He throws some glitter and shoves some chicken feet in a woman's face too. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then the alpaca, who seems like it's just a stuffed head. That's what I thought. It yeah. was just like a stuffed body turns. And looks disapprovingly. And like, it breaks character and looks at the audience. Yeah, and that's when you and I looked at each other like, what the hell are we watching right now? Yep. It was a little horror element, I, I think, because it was like this cult uh, ritual with this um, inanimate object coming to life. Yes, and then let's cut to those men that are wearing the yellow clothes or whatever. They're running. They have backpacks that have spike balls on them. And they turn a like an angry old lady into a crazy person who acts like a chicken. <laughs> yeah. The old lady, you've never seen her before, you won't see her again. Just deal with that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. And let's go back to the assistant. She's continuing to try and seduce Mickey because yep. the kiss wasn't enough for Carla. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, the hazmat guys march up to um, Harvey's place mm-hmm. and they uh, arrest him. Like they... They take him. They just take him. I, it's so weird. Mm-hmm. These characters clearly work for Damien, I guess. Maybe. Well, they have the spike ball on the back of them. Maybe he works for them. I don't know. But you know what? If you're confused, this is the constant of the movie. We bring it back to escape and some metal. So here you go. Okay. So we're back. We're back watching some metal. And boy, is it glorious. And then Harvey in the Egyptian costume is now... He shows up here. Shows up at the metal concert. And this is actually a really cool scene. He's only speaking in a loop. Yeah. Like like he is a sample. Yes. It's really kind of cool, actually. Yes. It's like he's been stripped of who he was, and he's just a machine. Now he's just a sample. Yeah, it's really awesome. And then Tina reveals that Shard, Damien Shard, is now waiting on the roof. So Mickey goes to the roof... And Shard is now naturally wearing a tuxedo and demands an apology. Yeah, and then this is where we really get the um, meat and potatoes of the story. Okay, this is this a story or is this just somebody's nightmare? I don't know. Well, that's one thing. I thought this was all like a hallucination, but it's not. Well, anyway, so here's let's um. Let's give a little clip so you can hear Damien talking about his grand plot. Okay. I made it all so easy for you. Gave you a sampler. Tried to get you into the band so you could fulfill your mission. What did you do? You used the sampler to make music instead of destroying it. So there you go. It's, you know, he's got this sampler and... Wow. He wants Mickey to destroy music. I don't know if he means specifically the music that's happening right here or all music. I think it's all music. Well, this was really, he's aimed low if it's just these two bands. Yeah, so at least we get a little bit of a backstory here, even if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then uh, we also find out that Mickey, because of using the sampler, 
And the synthesizer is, and the star pills. is actually having a brain hemorrhage and is slowly going crazy and dying. Well, I mean, obviously something's going on, but would you just go, oh, okay, weirdo in a tuxedo tells me I'm having a brain hemorrhage. Okay. <laughs> but whatever, he does. And he refuses to give Mickey the star medication. So Mickey goes back into a weird another nightmare with... A pink skeleton underwater. This is pretty cool. It's it's a continuation of the other one where he's swimming in the underwater, but um, all of a sudden there's this skeleton in there that he is like swimming with. It's really weird and mm-hmm. cool. It is pretty cool. Now here's where we get a. This is a good scene. The, was where we get a big backstory. Like a well, as much of a backstory as we can get. Right, but it's a flashback with Damien as a kid. Uh watching a show called Cowboys for God. Yes. And it's basically this religious show that talks about music not being good. And so this is what is laying the groundwork for Damien being this hyper-religious person who thinks that music is evil and must stop it. And as a child, he's building and programming toys. Yes, and in the TV show, the sheriff hunts down rock and roll varmints because rock and roll sucks soul from the mortal coil. (laughs) Yeah. So there you go. There's your backstory. It's pretty cool. But we can flash forward a little bit here. Mickey's not doing so well. No. And Eddie finds him, his friend who's the other roadie, and he's trying to get him to, to take him to get some help. And, like, take him in an elevator. Yeah, but apparently the synthesizer has stopped the elevator. Yeah. And Mickey dies. I was kind of surprised by this. I didn't Is he he's... dead? Yeah, I think he does die. No, because he comes back. I think that that's, like, in his fantasy. But you can't have a fantasy if you're dead. No, I think it's, like, Eddie brings him to life through the... Through mm. this... Uh, we'll get there. Okay. So, anyway, well, it's implied that Mickey dies. And then... At least Eddie thinks Mickey is dead. Yeah, but Eddie's going to go save Tina now. And it's revealed that Tina is now going to go solo because the band broke up and she's going to do this like solo act without the guitarist and the rest of the band now is supporting her, but they're like programmed to support her. Yeah, they're not normal. Yeah. And we get uh, the pretty bitchin' song, which is Mickey's song that he showed her when she fell asleep. Well, she's fighting because Damien's trying to get her to sing something. He's tried to program her. So she's mentally fighting Damien at this point. She's in a cage. She comes out and she sings Mickey's song like as protest. Yeah, but she sings it like full-fledged Tina Turner and, and it sounds pretty good. So baby, you I mean, it's a, it's a solid song. It's yeah, catchy. and the band is in a trance. Meanwhile, Stevie and Eddie are fighting because mm-hmm. Stevie is peeved to not be the center of attention. Right. And he comes out and he climbs onto stage and he's got his guitar bag and he unzips it. And instead <laughs> of a guitar, there's a baseball bat. Oh, and he does this great line here. Okay, I love that. I actually laughed pretty hard when he said that. <laughs> and now, come back, Damien. He demands that Tina play a song called Roll Call. What is it? Mm. I don't know. No, but never has that been made clear. Damien basically is now controlling every single person at this show. 
Yes. He has got them under his control. They're all riding imaginary horses now. Like all of the concert goers. <laughs> they're like, you know how if you're going to pretend you're giddy-upping through your house when mm-hmm. you're six? That's what the whole concert is doing. Yeah. Like all of the concert goers. Except for Eddie, who puts on the um, Rising Sun bandana. He also says he's deaf. I don't... Does he? Yes. Okay. Nothing made him deaf. Wait, he could, he's deaf? Yes, that's why he. Ex, that's how he explains that he's not impacted by the synthesizer. Somewhere along the line. What? Yes, he says that he is deaf. Wait, but Mickey in the elevator said you have to go rescue Tina. And he's yes. like, I will. Yes. So somewhere between here and there, he's gone deaf. Okay. And now he, <laughs> he's unaffected. Okay, well, he's put on, he's pulled the Nightmare Part 4 thing where he's putting on the bandana and he's ready to go kick some butt. Yep. And... He shows up with the guitar and approaches Damien, who is dressed <laughs> like a cowboy. And boy, you know what? Um, uh, Eddie says what we're all thinking. This. You! Boy, you look dumb. <laughs> and I thought that was a... Uh, what did you say? Sick burn. Sick burn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then Eddie starts to guitar solo like it's nobody's business. And he's destroying everything... And he also gives another pretty awesome quote. Didn't you know? All roadies are failed musicians. Yeah, that's it. And Shard is destroyed. Yeah, Eddie grabs the headphones and a CD. Yeah, he finds out that they're kept on CDs, basically. Like people? Yeah, like that's why I think that this is. um, That's why I think. uh, What's his face? Mickey is dead. But he now lives on the CD as like a memory program because Eddie puts the CD in. In case you're not clear to our the beginning of our episode when you said, is this sci-fi? This is why I argue this is 100% sci-fi. He's now putting the CD in that is basically like Eddie on a CD. Maybe. And plays it. And we get this musical montage of Mickey and Tina. So before you continue, though, I just thought that he was playing music and then Mickey and like Mickey recovers and returns and Tina's had a wardrobe change. No, they're because like... she's now in white pajamas and he's wearing jeans, a rolled up blazer yes. like you can only do in the 80s. Have you ever tried to roll the sleeves of a blazer? No. It's stupid. Nobody should try it. <laughs> Why was that a trend? Ugh. I don't know. It looked pretty cool to me. Okay. Well, yeah, this is how you know it is. a It's like a vision or a fantasy because they're walking around a white piano and they're having this moment to their song that they wrote, you know, that he wrote, he wrote. and she perfected after ignoring him. Then Eddie holds up a gun. Where did he get this gun? I don't know. I don't know. And he says, now that's now if that happy ending don't beat all. <laughs> and that's it. OK, dude. So weird. OK, well. That is Rock and Roll Cowboys from mm. 1987. What were the cowboys? There was a bunch. Was it the people pretending to ride horses? No, I think it was the religious show was the cowboy. Remember well, that, that was, was the sheriff, yeah. Uh, well, th- no, that was like Cowboys for God or whatever is what it was called. Okay. And then um, there's the Damien who dresses as the cowboy at the end. Okay. He's the cowboy. All right. So we're... We've lived in Wyoming and Montana and Colorado and New Mexico. We know what cowboys look like. Yeah, but Calm also... down, I would Damien argue if, if you live in, you know, um, L.A. or 
if you are a member of the B-52s, there's also this cowboy. There's a different version of a cowboy. <laughs> you know, when I visited California for the first time from Montana, people were surprised that we could fly on planes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, people still think you're in covered wagons, too. They are. I mean, some of them. Well, what did you think? Okay, this was fun because even when we usually watch things blind, or, you know, going into them blind, that we know the synopsis at least, but there was nothing known about mm-hmm. this. I, I'm the one that brought this to you. I don't know how I discovered it. It's just in the many rabbit holes of looking for movies that feature metal bands or, oh. or rock mm-hmm. music. Somehow this got put on my radar. Um, and I found out that, you know, that it existed. And we got it. We watched it. And whoa. Obviously, this replaces Trick or Treat for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was cool. And for... And I know there's a few of you listening right now that are fellow uh, metal horror fans. I know this is not technically horror. No. This is kind of a cool subplot of, or subgenre of metal sci-fi, which you don't really see very often. But man, it's a cool one. It's a deep cut. If you're a completist for wanting movies with heavy metal music or, or about bands, this is a must. Um, this was interesting. It was okay. fun. Okay, I have to know what you think because you've been, you've been holding your cards close. Have I? Yeah, you haven't. You've been like, just wait, just wait till we talk about it. Oh, and... I wasn't like teasing you. Okay, because um, if you can't tell from me, I'm like hundred percent in on this one. I really like this, and I want to watch it again. Oh, I think it was super fun to watch, especially not knowing what we were in for. I don't think I care to watch it again. Like, you can enjoy that yourself. And maybe in a decade, I'll be like, oh, yeah, let's watch that. <laughs> but um, I think once was enough. Obviously, you can tell that a lot of editing went into it to the point where there's no discernible plot. Yeah, it's not a good movie. And it no. doesn't really make any sense. But it's a fun movie because it merges this sci-fi idea with technology and music and it's got cool scenes of bands and there's lots of music involved in it you know it's i it's fun to watch even if it's a total mess i had i appreciated all of the like surrealist dreamlike elements yeah that was cool that was great i think if they would have gone more that way instead of trying to pretend they had a plot yeah it would have been better and the music is good for the band but i would say escape the heavy metal war band is yeah is really cool yeah, i mean that yeah. was really fun to see every time they came on oh you were like beaming oh yeah i like sat up straight and i'm like all right <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool but yeah so there you go that's rock and roll cowboys we don't really have much more to say about it because there's not much known about it but if you can track it down good for you otherwise watch it on youtube um, if let us know what you think. If yeah, let us know. I, I just want people to see it, um, especially because I own it now. If I didn't own it yet, I wouldn't tell anybody to go track it down. But oh, good grief. Now that I have it, uh, yeah, everybody try and make an effort to find it because I do think you should see it. And, you know, it would be fun to see it finally get a reissue or re-release or something just because it's <laughs> it's just a totally obscure movie from Australia from the mm-hmm. 80s, a metal movie. I actually looked into it and that guy, Mickey, has had a long career. He's done lots of stuff that you've 
probably seen him in like Farscape and stuff, but yeah, so did Eddie. Eddie actually had an even bigger career. Oh, did he? Yeah, he's gone on to do a ton of stuff. Yeah, so. they're both still working actors though. And I would—that's not a surprise because um, the acting in this, even though it's a cheesy like TV movie, although it doesn't feel like a TV movie, but it, even though it's you know wasn't a big production. I, the acting overall was just fine. I mean, yeah. everybody plays their part like they're supposed to. Yeah, exactly. Even the overacting, you're like, well, you're supposed to overact. Yeah, like I, Stevie, yeah. he was supposed to be that ridiculous and over the top. So Yeah, it's basically like just take a Twilight Zone episode and um, and add some heavy metal. And yeah. there you go. You got, you got rock and roll cowboys. What more do you need? I don't need anything. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that one. I know that we definitely enjoyed... Uh, bringing this one to you because because it was a fun one it was um and if you like what you heard please go rate review subscribe follow us tell your friends we are anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts we're at spotify podbean itunes we are at lasergraves.com where you can hear all of our back episodes (laughs) and um you know share them with your friends and if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Laser Graves. Our personal sites, I'm at Death at 33 RPM. I'm at Mariah Rose Wimmer. And come back again next week. I don't know what we're doing. Oh, I do. It's the Golden Child. For sure. We're not joking this time, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Bye.